You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. It's good to kind of see some beautiful faces here this morning. Wow, that was just such a powerful moment of worship. I'm still a little wrecked, so give me a minute here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to worship you. We love you, Lord, and we know how much you love us. Today, we know how much you love us, God, and we thank you for that eternal love. Lord, I just pray that your spirit continue to be with us all throughout the day, all throughout our week. Lord, use me this morning to say what you would have me speak. Let me properly divide and disseminate your holy word, Lord, so that every single one of us will walk away different from the inside out. Lord, I surrender my mind, my will, my emotions, my vocal cords. Lord, give me what I need to say what you want me to speak. We bless you, Father, and we thank you for calling us to worship you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, the name above all names, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, we are in the middle of Labor Day weekend 2022. And I was kind of thinking about labor. Actually, I had an epiphany moment in the middle of the night last night. I told Pastor Bob, I said, you know, my entire life, my mom told me I was born on Labor Day weekend. And then I started doing the numbers. That dog don't hunt, y'all. My birthday's the seventh. How is that even possible? And I was like, she's lied to me. Anyway, my point is I was looking into Labor Day weekend and kind of why we celebrated and where it all came from. And actually, first of all, it falls on the first Monday of September every year. And for most people, it's kind of marks the official end of summer, right? Back in the day, they used to say you can't wear white after Labor Day because it's the end of summer. Now it's time to get into your fall gear, your fall colors. But for most of us, it's a day off. You know, it's a final pool day or beach day or final getaway day. It ends the summer and transitions, changes into the next season. But actually, Labor Day, this is what's interesting about it, it wasn't meant to be just a random holiday, just the end of the summer. It was actually started as a movement, and it was started by the American labor unions way back in the 1800s because they wanted to set aside a day to honor the workers and all the contributions that those of us who work give to this nation, to our country. So that's how Labor Day kind of got started. And after a lot of negotiating and discussion, eventually it became a federal holiday. I think it was in um, my notes, it's 1894. 1894, Labor Day became an official federal holiday. So, but it started as a movement, It started as a movement, a group of people who believed in something enough that they were willing to do what they needed to do to bring about change. That's how Labor Day started. Change. Think about that word for a minute. Does it kind of give you the, uh, does it make you a little nervous? Does it make you excited? Change is simply something different from what already is. That's all it is. But I bet you if I were to ask every single person in this room, every one of y'all would say you would like to see something change in your lives, right? Maybe a change at work, maybe a change at home, change in your circumstances, your situation. I think all of us would like to see something change. And you know, we say, oh, we don't like change. I don't like change. I like things to stay the same. Do you really? 
I bet you maybe all of us have something we'd like to see change. But how do we go about changing things? Think about that for a minute. How do you typically go about changing things in your life? Maybe we move stuff around, right? We may start something here, stop something over here, try this, try that. But let me ask you, do things really change when you do that? Or maybe the better question is, does the change have any real impact or does it really last? The truth is, apart from Jesus, we will never see any real and lasting change in our lives. So with that in mind, let's turn to our Bibles in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah is major prophet. He's a few books past Psalms, which is right in the middle of the Bible. So if you didn't bring them, bring them. I encourage you to bring your Bibles. Again, you can do it on your phone. I prefer paper, but let's turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Now, actually, Jesus quotes this very prophecy in Luke in the New Testament in chapter 4, but we're going to read it from Isaiah. It says, verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's wow, that's beautiful. Chapter 61 in the book of Isaiah actually has a title, and it's called The Year of the Lord's Favor. And it foretells of the reason that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was going to be sent. But before all those amazing things that we just read about, Jesus was sent primarily to save souls. We've got to remember that. We've got to keep that first. His first priority was to come to save our souls, to save all of mankind. In fact, God's favor starts with salvation. It starts with salvation through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. But guess what? God's favor doesn't stop at salvation. It does not stop at salvation. Isaiah 61 tells us that Jesus also came to proclaim the good news that's hope, bind up the brokenhearted, that's healing. To free captives and release the prisoners, that's freedom. Freedom for whatever you need freedom for. Jesus came for that. To comfort all who mourn, that's peace. Do you need some peace? Wow. To give a crown of beauty instead of ashes, that's restoration, y'all and an oil of joy instead of mourning. That's joy, unspeakable joy. Joy is not happiness. Joy is deep down inside. That's what Jesus came to give us. And exchange a garment of praise for a spirit of despair. In other words, he gives us happiness, not happiness, encouragement 
when we're despaired, when we're, when we're discouraged, he give us encouragement. All of these things, salvation, hope, healing, freedom, peace, restoration, joy, and discouragement. These are the things that we need if we're ever going to see any real and lasting change in our lives. And Jesus came to give them to us. So how can these things bring us change and how do we receive them? How can they help us navigate change that we're in already? Well, today I want to give you three keys to change. Faith, prayer, and perseverance. Faith is the beginning of change. That's why I put that one first. Faith is the start of it. You have to believe that things will change if they're ever going to change, right? So in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says... Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, faith is that we know what we've hoped for, but we believe the conviction of things not seen. Even when we don't see things changing, we know because we have faith. When we put our faith in Jesus, even when we don't see things changing around us, we can be sure that change is coming. It's coming. Let's look back at Abraham. Abraham was childless. He was an old dude. He wasn't even a believer in God. He never even heard of God. And Hebrews, again, chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham heard God call him out of everything that was familiar to him, his family, his hometown, his friends, everything that was familiar to him. Abraham heard God call and he believed and then he obeyed faith first. He believed and then he obeyed God. And you know what? We all, every one of us has a measure of faith. The scripture tells us that God has given every single one of us enough faith to believe in him. We have enough. And you know what? That was part of his plan all along. From the beginning of time, he gave us enough faith. You and I, we weren't here yet at the beginning of time, but he knew we would need faith. So he had already planned for every one of us to have faith. And you know why? Because God doesn't make us believe in him. He doesn't make us accept Jesus for what he came to do. He gives us faith. He gives us free will. And he gives us faith to choose, to choose to believe in God, to choose to accept Jesus Christ. Every one of y'all, you have enough faith to believe that every single thing that Jesus came to do and everything that Jesus brought is for you. Say it, it's for me. Personalize it, it's for me. Everything that Jesus brought, everything we just read about in Isaiah 61, that's for you personally. That's what Jesus came for. And you have enough faith to believe. If you need salvation, if you need hope, if you need healing, freedom, peace, joy, restoration, encouragement, all of it, it's yours. You just have to believe. Faith, you have to have faith. Well, maybe, maybe you're sitting there thinking, All right, well, you know, I have faith and I believe, but I don't see anything changing. Well, think about this. Let me just drop this one on you. Maybe it's because you want to see change the way you want it. I think we all want things to turn out a certain way. Think about it. You have your plans. You know what you want. But we can't be boxing God in, y'all. 
He will not be put in a box. God will not be put in a corner. Can't box him in. And you know, it's easy to do. We make our plans. We set things in motion and we start hoping and thinking, okay, well, this will be different. This will make things change. It'll be fine. And God will make it happen. I'll pray about it. I'll say, oh Lord. And and he'll hear me and I'll pray about it because the Bible says I ask and I get, right? Mm, I don't know. Did you ask God if that's what he wants for your life, for you to do? Did you ask him if that's what, how he wants things to turn out? Isaiah 64, 4 tells us this about God. It says, from of old, in other words, from the beginning of time, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you, Lord, who acts for those who wait on him. Whatever we think we need to happen for things to change, if we didn't consult God and then wait on him to show us which which way we need to go, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on God's best for us. And you know what? This scripture says he's a God, an awesome God. There's no God besides him. So if we don't wait on him and let him lead us, we're going to miss out. Faith in God simply means we trust him and we wait on him. He will bring the change we need in our lives. Not necessarily what we want, because that just might not be the same thing as what we need. Faith is a key to real change in our lives. We believe that God will because he said he would. That's it. Another key to change is prayer. Prayer. Isaiah chapter 62. Let's go there. I had so much more to say about that verse, but I'm going to stick to the notes this morning. It says, O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Now, that's the Old Testament. Remember, I told you a while back, Old Testament, New Testament need to mirror. You don't just rely on one piece of scripture. You need to see it more than once, right? Okay, well, that's Old Testament. Let's go to New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Same thing. Pray all the time, continually. Pray without ceasing. These verses in both the Old Testament and the New Testament say the same thing. Pray all the time without stopping. Does that mean you walk around? No. It means you can pray anywhere, anytime, on the bus, in the car, in this traffic, on these freeways. Y'all, please pray, okay? Pray all the time. You could be in the shower. That's where I have a lot of my good time when God is in the shower because ain't nobody in there. Nobody's calling me. Nobody wants anything. Just me and God. Pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Let's go back to Old Testament. Psalm 142, verse 2. Now, this is King David singing out to God. He says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Y'all wonder why people in church be doing all this when they're singing? That's lifting up our hands as a sacrifice to God. And, you know, I find it interesting that King David describes prayer as incense. Incense was something that was burned on the altar to God as a sacrifice. There will be times in your life when you don't feel like praying. And let me tell you, unanswered prayers, they make it hard to keep praying sometimes. I get that. 
but it's when you don't feel like praying, that's when your heartfelt prayer to God is a sacrifice because you did it anyway. Now, I want you to listen to this scripture from Revelation 5.8. Just, just let these words sink in. If you have to close your eyes, that's cool. You can read in your Bible, but these words are so powerful. Revelation 5.8, it says, and when he, now they're talking about Jesus, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Again, this is Jesus, the lamb of God. They fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, that's worship, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the saints. So beautiful. When you don't feel like praying, that's exactly when you should, because that is a truly beautiful and pleasing sacrifice to God. God is pleased with our sacrifice of prayer. Revelation 8 tells us that our prayers are preserved in these golden bowls forever. Preserved means they're they're set aside to last. They're preserved forever in golden bowls and poured out before the Lord. That means our prayers never go away. They never go away. So even when you're not praying, your prayer is still there being poured out before God. How amazing is our God? Man, that gets me every time. That's so beautiful to know that he still hears our prayers. Even when we don't feel like praying, we get them little half prayers. It's okay. They're being poured out before our Father. He's hearing you. Your heartfelt prayer. Don't stop praying. Whatever you have to sacrifice to pray, do it. If it means you're going to be late to work, well, you know, be careful with that. Pray. Pray on the way to work and hurry up. Pray you don't get hit. Don't you hit nobody. Pray. Whatever you have to sacrifice to pray, sacrifice it. And look, if you fall asleep at night, sometimes, you know, we pray at night. He reads the Bible to me at night. I fall asleep, y'all. I'm like, Lord, I already know I'm going to fall asleep. So I'm like, God, please, please just let this get in my head. You know I'm going to knock out on this, but Lord, let it just, your word does not return void. Let it get in my heart and my spirit. If you're praying at night and you fall asleep, that's all right. God heard you. He knows your heart. He knows you're tired. Pray anyway. If you, like me, you get distracted when you're praying, right? That's why I always try to say, go go somewhere by yourself, get alone. If you can't do that and you get distracted, it's okay. Pray anyway. God heard you. He heard your heart cry. And, And let me say this right here. I need to say this. The enemy will try to stop you from praying. Don't let him. He's a liar. Everything that comes out of his mouth, every single thing is a lie. Do not let him trick you and stop you from praying because he'll try. You know why? Because he knows how powerful your prayers are. He knows that our prayers move mountains. Our prayers move the hands of God. The enemy knows that. So he's going to try to stop you. And this is another thing. He knows how pleasing our prayers are to God. How God just loves it when his kids talk to him. Think about it. If you're a parent and your, your kids come up and they start talking to you and telling you stuff, do you zone out? Sometimes I do. I'm just going to be real. But I love it when my kids start telling me all their stories. I don't want to know too much of their business because they're grown. But I love it when my kids come and tell me stories. That's God. He wants to hear what you have to say. He loves you. So the enemy knows that. And he'll try to get you to not pray. And he also knows that our prayers never go away. That's powerful, y'all. The enemy doesn't want you to pray because he knows they're forever. Wow. That's powerful. 
And you know what he'll do? He'll say things to you like this. He'll tell you, oh, you fell asleep. God's not listening to you. Why do you even bother? You fell asleep. How rude. How could you disrespect God? Like he cares, right? No, he doesn't want you to pray. The other thing he'll say is your prayer's not good enough. You don't use the right words. What are the right words? Speak whatever you have to speak to God. The scripture tells us that sometimes we don't even know what to say, so the Spirit intercedes for us. That's when you pray in your prayer language. When the Holy Spirit comes down on you and blows it up, you get a language that you pray in. And it's, some people call it praying in tongues. That's what it is. You don't even know what you're saying half the time, but he does. God knows. God knows. Pray anyway. You don't need fancy words. You don't need eloquent speech. Moses wasn't eloquent of speech. I think people say he stuttered. Pray anyway. Don't listen to the lie of the devil that says you're not doing it right. And this is his favorite lie that he likes to tell me. Your prayer's not working. Nothing has changed. I hear that one a lot. Sometimes you need to face him down and say, you know what? Be quiet and pray anyway. I've heard every single one of these lies, y'all. I have been praying for something to change for 30 years. 30 years. I have been praying and believing for something. Do I see change? No. I've seen glimpses of it. But I'm not going to stop praying. Because you know what? One day, that mountain's coming down. It's coming down. Don't stop praying. Prayer is so important to God that Jesus gave his disciples specific instructions on how to pray. And it's called the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. And it's not even complicated. First of all, you acknowledge who God is. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. You acknowledge who God is. And then you pray for God's will to be done. Remember I said earlier, mm, things don't change maybe because you want them a certain way. No, no, no. We pray for God's will to be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you ask him what you need. Give us our daily bread. Then you ask for forgiveness. And you forgive those that you need to forgive. Remember, forgiveness is not something you got to feel. You just do it as an act of obedience to God. This tells us, forgive those you need to forgive. And if you don't feel it, say, Lord, help me feel it. I want to do it. Help me feel it. The feeling will come, but the act is first. You forgive. Whoever it is, whatever they did, let it go. Put it on the altar. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Help me stay away from sin, God, and protect me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then you tell God that you know all honor, all power, all glory belongs to him. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and for eternity. That's it. And you know what? If that's too complicated, that's all right. Prayer is just a conversation with God, a simple conversation. What's a conversation? I tell you something, I listen, you tell me something. It's a conversation with God. Keep it simple. Start with this, call on his name. Dear Lord, dear God, oh God, Lord have mercy. Whatever it sounds like to you in that moment, you call on him. You call on his name and then you thank him. Thank him for who he is and all he's done. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that you love me so much. Thank you, Lord, for all the good you've done. Thank you for the lessons you've taught me. Just thank him. 
and then present your request to him. Remind him what his word says about your situation. The Bible tells us that the angels rally to perform God's word. You put his word in your prayers and they're like, wait, what, what did she just say? What, what? Boom, they go. God dispatches angels as ministering spirits. Pray God's word. Learn his word. This is a great opportunity for you to learn what the Bible says about your situation. Because then you don't have to talk about your situation as you see it. You can pray about your situation or talk about your situation as God sees it. You are healed. You are holy. You are righteous. You are redeemed. You are an overcomer. You have the victory through Christ Jesus. Pray what the word says about your situation. Remind God. He knows what he said. Remind him. Because then you're telling him, I know what you said, God. You said this. I'm standing on your word. And then after that, finish it up by closing in Jesus' name. Now, this is important. And I want to stay here for a second. And I want to do a little teaching here. We close in Jesus' name out of obedience. And maybe some of y'all didn't know that, and that's okay. That's what my job is, to tell you things. (laughs) We tell each other things. John chapter 15, verse 16. This is just one example. Jesus says, ask the Father in Jesus' name. First of all, we do it out of obedience. And second of all, it reminds us that we only We only have access, direct access to God the Father because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross. The veil was torn. In other words, we don't have to go through an intercessor. Jesus is our intercessor. And that's why we pray in his name. And you know what? When you're praying, you remind the enemy whose name you're praying in. Not his name. No, the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the name above all names, the name at which every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. That's the name we're praying in. That's the authority we have because of the finished work of the cross. We pray in Jesus' name. It's not a legalistic thing. It's an obedience thing. It's a power thing when you remind the enemy, I know, I know where my help comes from. I know what Jesus did, and you do too. You're defeated. Don't forget that. If we want to see real, real, lasting change in our lives, faith, prayer, and then perseverance are the key. Faith, prayer, perseverance. Perseverance is being steadfast and immovable. Steadfast and immovable. Isaiah 61.3 says that Jesus came to make us into oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, in Houston, where I grew up, we had these big old tall oak trees. That's one of the things that I noticed when we first moved here. It's like, where, where's all the trees? Like, they're bushes. They look like bushes compared to back home, right? Well, now this is home. But in Houston, the oak trees, in the house I grew up in, in our front yard, we had two big old tall oak trees. I think one was, I don't know, pin oak and some other oak. Who cares? Anyway, the point is, they're really tall. Most of the oak trees in Houston are super tall. So when they cast their shade, if you're sitting underneath it, there's no shade for you. They cast their shade out because they're so tall. Well, here's not like that. I noticed when we moved here, the trees here, like, they're kind of short, and they're real big and big old trunks, and they have these gnarly branches that do all kinds of things, and the trunks are almost always leaning over one way or the other. I started thinking about that. Why are these trees like that? It didn't take me long to realize that there's typically a South Texas wind blowing around here. 
there's always a breeze around here. And it's very hot and dry here. So the trees are planted firmly so the wind doesn't blow them over. They just bend with the wind. That's how they're made. They bend with the wind, and their branches grow out low and, and down. So their canopy is, is big. It's big, and it's short. So you can sit underneath them and get shade from the hot sun in South Texas. That's why the trees are like that. The oaks here are planted in just the right soil with the right conditions so they take root and they're sturdy. Isaiah 61.3 says, Jesus came to help us get firmly rooted and planted in him so that we can become strong oaks of righteousness, a display to the splendor of God. When we persevere in living our lives planted and rooted in Jesus, when change comes, it's not going to blow us over. It's going to shape us into who God wants us to be. Persevere. Perseverance simply means staying dedicated to something, seeing it through to the finish. If you want to see real, real change in your life, you have to keep running your race. Keep running your race towards God. Stay in the race. Finish it. Persevere in living a life that's pleasing to him. How do you do that? How? Sounds nice, right? How do you do that? How do you persevere in living a life for Jesus? Well, it takes dedication. You'll have to dedicate some time to learning, learning who he is, what he wants, how he loves. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. You persevere. You dedicate yourself to that. And this is what we call remaining in Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 5. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you don't remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. The branches are picked up. And what do you do? You put them in the trash pile and they burn them up. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we remain connected to God, our lives bear good fruit. Think about a, a pretty red, shiny apple. You know, you, you see them in the store and you look at it and you, maybe your mouth starts watering like mine does. You think, man, I bet that tastes real good, right? So you go and you buy it, you take a bite out of it, and then it's just kind of like, blah. Hmm. When we persevere in living a life that's pleasing to God, we bear good fruit, sweet fruit. In other words, people will know that we belong to Jesus because our lives reflect it. The way we talk, the things we do, the way we spend our time will be a nice, beautiful, shiny red apple that's actually sweet. We will bear good fruit. We aren't just talking the talk. We're walking it out in our daily lives. One step at a time, following Jesus. I need to say this, y'all. In the Christian life, there is no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. Think about that. You're either moving forward or you're falling back into your old ways. There's no neutral ground. 
because the enemy's always lurking. Scripture says he's a poser, A. He roams around like a lion. There's only one lion, and that's the lion in the tribe of Judah. But he pretends to be like as if he can hurt you. He's always roaming around. You can't stay neutral. We can't be lukewarm Christians. And that may sound a little hard, but I got to tell you the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat the truth. I'm not going to stand up here and give y'all a bunch of candy and tell you all the sweet, sweet, wonderful things, tickling your ears, telling you what you want to hear. That's not my job. I've got to tell you the truth. And I tell you in love because Jesus loves us. If we sit around and eat sugar-coated Bible words, just words, then just like sugar, we're going to get all hyped up and excited and expecting something. And when it doesn't happen, we're going to crash. We're going to crash hard. And that's when those thoughts will come in and say, why bother? Why bother going to church? Why bother trying to live a godly life? It doesn't work. No, it does. The truth with a capital T, the truth is we have to persevere and stay in the race. Keep going. Keep praying. We can't afford to get distracted. We can't let things, people, hobbies, we can't let those things distract us. They can't take priority in our lives. If we want to see real, eternal, lasting change, if we want to be able to walk through it well, any change we're going through can't be lukewarm Christians. There's no power in that. And God wants our whole heart. He wants our whole heart. I'm going to say it again. God wants your whole heart. I look at it like this. If Pastor Bob was 99% faithful and true to me, He's going to have a problem. It's not going to be my problem. It's going to be his problem. Because I don't want 99%. I want 100%. I want it all. Same thing with God. He wants us all. He wants all of our heart. I'm not about to settle for some of his love and devotion. I want it all. I got a piece of paper that says I get it all. Well, you know what? God wants all of our love, all of our devotion, all of our heart. He wants to be our priority. Exodus 34, 14 tells us that God is a jealous God. Let that sink in for a second. God is a jealous God, but not in that crazy psycho way you might be thinking about right now. God loves you. He loves you so much. He just wants you to love him back wholeheartedly, devoted to him, devoted to what he says. He wants to be first in your life. Apart from God, I want to be first in Pastor Bob's life. I better be first in Pastor Bob's life aside from God. The same way with God. He wants to be first in your life. He's jealous because he's invested so much in you. He gave you life. Every breath you take, he gave you. It's from him. Your next breath is because of his mercy and goodness. That's how much he's invested. Every single thing you have, God gave you. Of course he wants your heart. Sounds right. In fact, let me tell you this. God has spent every single moment of your life showing you how much he loves you. He's been showing you, proving to you 
how much he loves you. And it's just because he wants you to love him back with your whole heart. Persevere in pursuing God. Don't give up. Don't fall back. Walking with Jesus is a lifelong journey, one step at a time. It's not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. One step at a time. And with each step you take, each trial you face, that's an opportunity for God to change you if you let him. I know sometimes change comes in our life and we don't want it. We didn't welcome it. We didn't ask for it. But you know what? God can walk us through that if we let Jesus into it. Because Jesus changes everything. And he does because of love. God loves you with an everlasting love. You don't have to believe it. It is. Same thing with mercy. His mercy is new every morning, whether you believe it or not. And it's meant for you. And his mercy is what provides us salvation through Jesus Christ. The key to navigating change well, the key to real and lasting change is faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And that was to bring salvation, hope, healing, freedom, peace, restoration, whatever the enemy took from you, Jesus came to give it back and give it back minimum double. Restoration, joy, peace. When things are flying around crazy, Jesus came to give you peace. And when you want to give up, he came to give you joy and encouragement. Believe, just have faith and stay consistent in prayer. Don't stop praying no matter what's going on around you, no matter what you see, no matter what you hear. Don't stop praying and then persevere in pursuing God, learning who he is, what he wants, and how he loves. Let faith, prayer, and perseverance bring real and lasting change into your life. It will. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.